how Lori Vallow can win her case in Arizona, why the lawsuit against Brian Laundrie's parents is frivolous, the uh, clerk of the court in the Murdoch cases has some of her own investigations that she's dealing with, and a YouTube stunt gets a YouTuber some prison time, a video of a house going boom, and then our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. We have a great show for you today. Before we get started, though, you know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't, like if you do, leave me a comment below, and hit that little bell for notifications of when we go live or put up new content. And remember, you can listen to us anytime on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Yes, it is Tuesday. So what does that mean? We are going live tonight, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. We'll be talking about the Lori Vallow case and, well, some other things as well. So tune in and join us. All right. First, how can Lori Vallow win her case in Arizona? Well, Lori Vallow is set to appear in court on Thursday to be arraigned on two murder charges relating to the shooting death of her fourth husband and an attempt on the life of her niece's ex-husband. Now, apparently the, well, court records indicate now that they've already set or pre-cleared a trial date um, and that is tentatively scheduled to begin on April 4th. Now, that's according to court records. There's also a pre-trial conference date set for January 18th and February 21st and March 28th. Now, it's probably very unlikely that these dates are actually going to stand. However, as you may recall, Lori Vallow was unwilling to waive her speedy trial rights in Idaho. And let's be frank, that had there not been the 10-month delay in competency issues and delays attributable to being joined with her husband, Chad Daybell, there's no way the prosecution would have been ready to proceed in six months. Well, Lori Vallow, if she does the same thing in Arizona and says, let's go, the prosecution may have some trouble. So if the prosecution keeps it simple and simply focuses on the death of Charles Vallow, where we've all heard the 911 calls as well as the uh, videos of the scene, and she's very, Lori Vallow is very nonchalant about her husband being killed, etc., and her brother, Alex Cox, being the one that did it, acting like it was no big deal. If they keep it focused on that, they're going to have a shot. However, if the prosecution overtries the case, which they always do, they're going to want to get into all the stuff in Idaho for 404B evidence. Now, why may this play into Lori Vallow's favor? Because the trial of her husband, Chad Bell also starts on April 1st. Lori Vallow starts on the 4th. A lot of the same witnesses would be necessary for all the 404B evidence. So Lori Vallow, her way of winning is to simply go forward, keep that original trial date, and move forward. It's not that complicated of a case. The prosecution, if they want to get into the 404B issues related to Idaho and the death of JJ and Ty Lee, or Tammy as well, guess what? It's going to be more complicated because it's taking place at the same time. So we'll have to wait and see what they do, but that's the way Lori Vallow has a shot of winning. Now, don't get me wrong. Am I a fan of Lori Vallow? No, I'm not. I think she's obviously a very horrible human being, 
and is probably where she needs to be for the rest of her life, undoubtedly where she needs to be. But she's also entitled to due process, and, well, we're going to talk about it. And for those who aren't familiar, familiar with the Lori Vallow case, um, Lori Vallow faces conspiracy charges uh, in both crimes in which she uh, were allegedly carried out by her brother, Alex Cox, before his death in December of 2019, where he is reportedly passed away of natural causes. A lot of coincidence of a lot of dead people around Lori Vallow, is there not? Well, uh, Vallow was also convicted um, in Idaho earlier this year of the murder and conspiracy charges regarding the death of her two children, um, seven-year-old JJ and 16-year-old Tylee, along with um, her fifth husband's uh, first wife, Tammy Daybell. She was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences with no chance of parole and obviously is appealing the conviction. And uh, Chad Daybell, the fifth husband, his trial begins on April 1st of 2024 on the same charges that Lori Vallow was convicted of. Now, um, Alex Cox was also reportedly involved in the death of the children there in Idaho as well. And as we've brought you the story last week, uh, Lori Vallow was extradited from Idaho last week and uh, brought to the Maricopa County Jail there in Phoenix uh, on a little 18-hour road trip. According to reports from the sheriff's office, apparently Lori Vallow was very chatty during the drive, probably trying to befriend the deputy so she could plan her escape. Anyway, according to uh, documents that were unsealed after the uh, first appearance, uh, on November 30th, uh, Vallow and uh, Cox are accused of conspiring to kill uh, Charles Vallow, uh, who was shot and killed on July 19th. Shortly after, Vallow moved out of their home, and just weeks before, well, she married Chad Day Bell, and the children went missing. What a coincidence. Anyway, um, Alex Cox told the deputies that he killed Vallow in self-defense. Obviously, the police um, ultimately came to the conclusion that that was not the case, but Alex Cox had passed away and will never be charged with the death of Charles Vallow. Now, police previously released the body cam footage showing Vallow uh, reporting to detectives that he was uh, concerned about his wife's fanatical religious views and was worried she might try to hurt him or the children. He made several police reports to that effect, but really nothing was done. The second charge concerns an attempt on the life of Brandon Boudreaux, um, outside his home in Gilbert, Arizona on in October of 2019. He was not hurt. So let me know, do you think Lori Vallow has a shot at this trial? Or do you think she's going to crash and burn and go down in flames? She's got one shot. Time is on her side if she pressures the prosecution. The prosecution will get it done. The question just depends upon how much evidence they want to bring in against her. Next on the docket, why the lawsuit by the uh, parents of uh, Gabby Petito is frivolous. Well, an amended complaint was filed in the civil lawsuit where Gabby Petito's family has alleged that Brian Laundrie told his parents that Gabby was dead before he even returned home. So the Petito family had previously filed a lawsuit against the Laundrie family, alleging that they knew Gabby was dead, but stayed silent during a national search for her, even making statements that they hoped the family would be reunited. No criminal charges have ever been filed against the Laundrie's parents, nor will they ever be. Now, Laundrie's parents, Roberta and uh, Christopher, who are named in the lawsuit. The lawsuit was also amended to include Stephen Bertolino, the attorney who represented the Laundrie family and made statements on their behalf 
regarding the national search for Gabby. Now, in the new complaint that was filed on November 30th, the Petitos alleged that on August 29th, 2021, Brian Laundrie advised his parents, Christopher and Roberta Laundrie, that Gabby was gone in a frantic telephone call that Gabby was gone and that he needed a lawyer. That same day, Christopher and Roberta Laundrie spoke with Stephen Bertolino, advising him that their son told them that Gabby was gone and that Brian needed a lawyer. Now, according to the complaint, the Laundries then sent Bertolino a retainer on September 2nd of 2021. So far, that sounds pretty normal what people do when their loved one says they need an attorney. The Petito family contends that on September 2nd, 2021, Bertolino acting on Brian Laundrie's behalf when he entered into a fee agreement with the criminal defense firm in Laramie, Wyoming to represent Laundrie. Before retaining the firm, Bertolino is alleged to have contacted other attorneys in Wyoming to represent Brian Laundrie, including the public defender's office in the same county where Gabby Petito's body was ultimately discovered. Okay. That's what lawyers do when they're trying to get representation for their client in another jurisdiction. Am I shocked? Am I outraged? No, I am not. Now, Gabby Petito's remains were obviously found in Wyoming, specifically in the Grand Teton National Park on September 19th of 2021. Gabby Petito's cause of death was blunt force injuries to the head and neck with a manual strangulation, according to the lawsuit and investigators believe that she was killed on August 27th. It is alleged that uh, Christopher Laundrie, Roberta Laundrie, and Stephen Bertolino exhibited conduct which was outrageous and went beyond all bounds of decency and is regarded as odious and utterly intolerable in a civilized community in that they remained silent concerning Gabby Petito's death and the location of her body, but then made statements giving hope to Joseph Petito and Nicole Schmidt that Gabrielle Petito was still alive and expressed that it was difficult time for the Laundry family. Knowing their son had murdered Gabby Petito, that's the gist of it, ladies and gentlemen. We have talked about this a lot on Crime Talk, okay? If you want justice, the courthouse is not the place to go. Nobody ever gets true justice when they go to court, all right? And there's a difference between morally what people should do and legally what people should do. Morally, you would think that if someone was suspected of a crime, that they would tell the police what's taking place and they would come clean and uh, confess all their sins, right? Morally, that would be the right thing to do. Legally, it's the dumbest thing you could possibly do. And everybody knows that. Heck, the courts even created the Miranda warning saying, don't do this. Don't do this. And yet people do it all the time. All right. So yes, the Petitos getting an attorney for their son, basically giving a statement, hey, you know, we we hope that's not saying she's still alive. You may think it's deplorable, but it shouldn't be the basis for a cause of action in a civil suit, ladies and gentlemen. Now, you can go back when this case was filed. I said it was frivolous and it shouldn't even state in an action. But the court has to look at it just like in a in a civil case. They have to view the allegations as true, drawing all inferences in the favor of the plaintiff, and then discovery takes place. And at some point before this trial date in May of 2024, there will more than likely be a motion for summary judgment that is going to be filed and it should prevail. Now, if the matter proceeds to trial and a judgment is uh, obtained against Brian Laundrie's parents, well, guess what? 
it'll probably be reversed at the appellate level. Um, to say that somebody hurt your feelings, um, I, I just don't see it, ladies and gentlemen. I just, I just don't see it. I mean, could you imagine, for example, if, I don't know, even somebody in government knew something was false and they gave everyone hope? I guess you can't sue them because they have governmental immunity. Let me know in the comments what you think. Next, the Murdoch clerk. Well, she's got some of her own issues. That's right. The clerk of the court, Rebecca Hill, who served during uh, the uh, Alec Murdoch trial, is now the subject of several ethics investigations by the state of South Carolina. Now, for those who don't know, Alec Murdoch was sentenced to two life uh, sentences in prison for the murders of his wife, Maggie, and his son, Paul, at their uh, low country home located down there um, in South Carolina. Now, his attorneys have filed an appeal of his conviction, claiming that Ms. Hill inappropriately tampered with the jury by making inappropriate comments to them regarding the allegations in the case. Now, the clerk, Ms. Hill, has denied any wrongdoing and has filed an affidavit with the state's response to the defense motion for the new trial that was filed on behalf of Alec Murdoch, where it's alleged the comments were made to jurors about Murdoch that could be construed as completely inappropriate and should not have been made by Ms. Hill. Well, prosecutors have argued that the jurors who um, have alleged Hill made the comments perhaps misremembered their statements, and the uh, prosecution uh, made these statements uh, clo during closing arguments. And in the state's response, prosecutors alleged that the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division had investigated the claims of jury tampering and said that none of the jurors who spoke with them reported feeling any pressure or influence to reach their verdict. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. The jurors that spoke with SLED didn't feel pressured, therefore the matter must be closed. But the defense has come forward with allegations that some jurors did feel pressured. And then there you go. It needs to have a hearing. So let's have a hearing. Well, while the state's court of appeals has granted Murdoch's motion to suspend his conviction for the murder and remand the case to the trial court for an evidentiary hearing, which hasn't been scheduled yet. I'm not sure why it's taking so long. It appears other investigations into Hill's behavior have been initiated. So it is reported that there are at least two active investigations into Hill, and they're currently pending before the South Carolina State Ethics Commission, which could then be referred to SLED, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, for prosecution if the alleged wrongdoing was founded. So a copy of one of the ethics complaint and a detailed report on the second in which Hill was accused of engaging in unethical behavior and using her position as clerk of the court to promote her book, as well as a book by a local reporter. Now, during the Murdoch trial, clerk of the court, Becky Hill, has unethically and potentially unlawfully used her political office to obtain and release confidential information, the complaint alleges. And it is also alleged that she has used her office to misallocate funds to promote her book and the book written by Michael DeWitt. Hill has allegedly neglected the office of the clerk of the court to take several trips to promote her book and to meet with Netflix to secure her position in a documentary. Now, Hill's uh, actions have displayed that she is unfit to hold the office of the clerk of the court. So the allegation goes. Now, Ms. Hill allegedly reached out to the Ethics Commission prior to releasing her book entitled Behind the Doors of Justice, The Murdoch Murders. Now, um, 
the letter from the Ethics Commission in response to which the commission listed the criteria for an informal opinion on the issue, uh, quote, to determine whether the proposed outside employment is permissible, analysis of the term official capacity is required. Here, you must consider the following questions. Does the opportunity for the activity arise as a result of your position as clerk of the court? Is the subject matter of the work something within your official responsibility? Is the type of work something that the clerk of the court's office would normally perform for which you could receive expense reimbursement uh, for the clerk of the court's office? If the answer to all of these questions are yes, then the writing the book would be within your official capacity and it would be impermissible for you to receive compensation for writing the book if the answer to any of the above questions is no. Then the work is not within your official capacity and you may receive compensation for authoring the book so long as you adhere to the commission's guidelines on off-duty employment. The complaint also alleges that uh, Ms. Hill oversaw guided tours of the uh, Culleton County Courthouse during normal business hours for donations which she told participants would be used to replace the front window of the courthouse. It's also reported that the second uh, ethics complaint accuses Ms. Hill of misappropriating public funds from multiple accounts and misrepresenting the misappropriations to county officials, as many as seven accounts. Now, you may also recall the clerk's son, Jeffrey Hill, has separately been arrested and charged with wiretapping after he allegedly illegally recorded conversations involving a deputy county administrator during the Murdoch murder trial. Now, sources close to the investigation say that the wiretapping charges were tied to an effort to keep his mother informed about the investigations into her. Now, no criminal charges have been filed against Miss Hill, the clerk of the court, but we will wait and see. And ladies and gentlemen, what have I said for so long? If you are a public servant, you are there to do your job to per serve the public. You should not be doing book deals. And I don't care if you're a clerk of the court in South Carolina or you're a member of Congress, you get paid to do one job. You shouldn't be out there doing book deals. You shouldn't be out there doing separate podcasts. Your job is to be a public servant. And when you're getting rich or making a profit off of what you do in your public service job, any of that money should go straight back to the state or the government. Bottom line, you want to be a public servant, go be a public servant. You want to quit being a public servant and then go write about what you did so be it. But you shouldn't double dip and you shouldn't be there. Now, I don't know if Miss Hills committed any wrongdoing. I don't think writing a book is within her official duties. And I'm not sure how she thinks that would be okay. Why? But it's always about the money. And don't get me wrong. I am a capitalist pig. I think people should go able to make money. But you do that in the private sector, not as a public servant. Guess what? A YouTuber is going to prison. That's right. He's going to prison for one of the dumbest and most unsafe stunts ever done. We brought you the story of Trevor Jacob a while back. He was a pilot in California and a YouTuber who intentionally crashed his airplane for a video and to get views back in 2021. And he will next he will now spend next six months in federal prison for his stupidity. Now. Um, Jacob took a plea deal in the uh, case 
and pled guilty to one count of destruction and concealment with the intent to obstruct a federal investigation. That charge resulted from uh, Jacob, a former Olympian and YouTube pitchman for a Walla company, and one of his buddies hauling the wreckage of the uh, uh, aircraft out of the mountains north of Santa Barbara with a helicopter before Jacob cut it into small pieces for disposal in various trash bins. But the most damning evidence of the illegal flight was a video posted on YouTube in which he purported to jump from the plane at 11,000 feet because of an engine failure. Well, it didn't take long for anybody that was familiar with uh, airplanes at all to uh, quickly point out obvious flaws and inconsistencies and the stories that were captured by numerous cameras on the plane and on the phone video shot during the parachute defense descent. Now, the crash sequence was filmed in November of 2021, but Jacob didn't post the version until Christmas Day. Not long after, guess what? The FAA came a calling, and in April of 2022, they revoked Jacob's pilot's license, and the Department of Justice was following as well, and they charged him with a list of felonies before the plea deal whittled it down to the single count of obstruction, basically destroying the evidence. It appears that uh, Jacob exercised exceptionally poor judgment in uh, committing this offense, prosecutors argued in a sentencing memorandum that was submitted to the court. And uh, Jacob most likely committed this offense to generate social media and news coverage for himself and to obtain financial gain. Nevertheless, this type of daredevil conduct cannot be tolerated. Ladies and gentlemen, this gentleman ran out of fuel intentionally, jumped out of an airplane, which you would not normally carry a parachute in, and coincidentally, just happened to have all these cameras there. It was staged, it was a stunt, it was dangerous. I don't care what if that thing had caught fire by some of the gas remaining in the uh, gas tank when it hit, or somebody was struck, who knows? Dumb, dumb, dumb. Uh, frankly, six months was a gift, and uh, it should have been more. Next on the docket, we got a video of a house that goes boom. It's almost like the guy knew the police were coming. Take a look at this video, which was uh, captured the moment a Virginia home exploded Monday evening after the suspect inside the residence shot at police while they were attempting to serve a search warrant. The explosion took place in Arlington, Virginia, and it sent debris and flames bursting um, upward at about 8.20 p.m. last night and could be heard and apparently felt from miles away. The Arlington County Police said that officers were trying to execute a search warrant when a suspect fired several rounds from inside the now blown up home. Now, officers only suffered minor injuries, thank goodness, and no one needed to go to the hospital. Now, the condition of the suspect was not immediately known. However, unless he ducked out the back door, my guess is he's no longer with us. Once we find that out, we'll let you know. It is also unknown if anyone else was in the house as well. So the man who recorded the uh, video <laughs> said that you could see police approach the house with a SWAT truck when the suspect inside the home began shooting at the police. As the cops began driving forward towards the window, boom, the whole house goes up. No word on exactly why they were executing the search warrant as of yet, but I think there's more to this story than, well, than we see in the video. And finally, our dumb criminal of the day. And it doesn't even involve food, ladies and gentlemen, but 
this dumb criminal got to be near the top. So uh, this past Saturday, uh, troopers with the Michigan State Police participated in the annual Livingston County Shop with a Cop event at Walmart. Well, and it almost went as planned. But one woman has been arrested during the event after a Walmart employee told a participating trooper that a customer was stealing over $700 in merchandise. The Shop with the Cop event uh, is an event where children and police officers shop for themselves and their families at a local business. During this particular event, there were 75 police officers in the building, and the uh, troopers followed the uh, accused woman to her vehicle, which she had coincidentally parked right next to a police car. The woman, a 62-year-old uh, woman from Hazlitt, uh, was arrested and uh, is now seated in the county jail. That takes guts or stupidity. I'm not exactly sure, but either way, that unidentified woman is our dumb criminal of the day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, quick reminder, we have our Patreon show this evening, immediately following our live program that begins at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Please join us, and always remember and never forget, the Constitution matters. 